morning, Illuminate. Good to be with you all, just like Pastor Steve said. If you're with us for the second time, after being with us for the first time uh, over Easter weekend, it's great to have you. So appreciative that you would spend uh, your time with us this morning. So I want to give a special shout out and recognition to all the volunteers that showed up yesterday to help with the rental. We had a great time. I mean, to see some of these white collar guys sweat was amazing. It was so fun. <laughs> You know, um, no, but really appreciate it. Um, you guys got a ton of work done. Uh, some of us were here for most of the day and uh, flooring's out and ceiling tiles are out. So now guys, uh, the fun continues this Saturday. So if you wanna be a part of it, this is our day two of, uh, well, our, our dual weekend project, but you can go to illuminatecommunity.com backslash events and you can register to show up. We just wanna make sure that we're prepared to handle uh, the amount of people that come. We feed everybody uh, for lunch, and we just had a great time together. So I would encourage you, if you can, uh, to participate with us. Pretty much uh, this Saturday, we'll be clearing out walls, and um, then that's it. Then the, the crews will come in and officially start uh, a couple weeks from then. So more details online at, uh, at that site. All right, so this morning, we're gonna jump back into a series that we started a few months ago titled Jesus in His Own Words. And we come to what is a warning. And it's a warning from the lips of Jesus that was meant to uh, help us, protect us. In John chapter 10, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. Well, good shepherds care for the flock. And part of that care involves protection. And so this is where Jesus famously says, beware the wolves in sheep's clothing. It's interesting because he doesn't say, beware of the atheists. He's not, not, not too concerned with that. He doesn't say, beware of the cults. He doesn't say, beware of the culture. He doesn't say, beware of the government. He doesn't say, beware of any of those things. Instead, what he says is, watch out for those who are in your midst. Give the impression that they are for you, but in fact, they want to feed off of you. Beware the wolves in sheep's clothing. As we're, we're going to see in a moment, these wolves aren't exactly who you think they are either. So Jesus has been laying down all of these uh, crazy principles that just seem so paradoxical. He's drawing the Sermon on the Mount to an end in Matthew chapter 7. And he's been talking about two gates. One is narrow the other is wide. And we talked about how we do not like things that are narrow. Nobody wants to be described as being narrow-minded. Narrow isn't good, and yet Jesus says, this narrow gate actually leads to life. And then there's this other gate. It's wide. Many pass through it. Only a few people find the narrow gate, but lots of people are passing through this wide gate. But the thing about this wide gate is that it leads to your destruction. Many people, many people are headed through these gates. The narrow gate, narrowness specifically, represents the gospel. It represents Jesus. See, the question is, how do we get to God? Jesus has already put it out there. He's like, no one comes to the Father but through me. So that gate is narrow. That's what he's talking about. It's narrow. Now, the other gate, the wide gate, represents man's attempts to get to God in every other way outside of Jesus, either through some other religion, faith, or, or even if it's trying to earn our way to God through our own good merits. Lots of different ways to enter that wide gate. But they all, they all lead to destruction. 
And it's as if there's this cross guard that, that stands at the corner of these two gates, the crossroads of these two gates. And, and this crossing guard has this big sign and it says, go, go, go. And an arrow that points to what is wide. And so Jesus has some very stern words for these people. And at the same time, he says to the sheep, I want to forewarn you <laughs> because I care about you. You need to understand who these wolves are, how to identify them, and what to do about them. The context of this, as he draws the Sermon on the Mount to an end, he knows that there will be some who follow, who will take the words of Jesus and twist them. So after talking about these two gates, he immediately adds this. Watch, I'll show you. Matthew chapter seven. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Immediately following this, Jesus adds, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So I have a few primary responsibilities as your lead pastor here at the church. One of them is to protect you. This is what pastors do. The Greek word for pastor is poimen, and it literally means shepherd. It's one who shepherds. So shepherds lead, feed, protect the flock. We protect the flock by teaching the scriptures, among other things, but primarily by teaching the scriptures. And so now Jesus is going to drill down a little bit on what it means to be protected from these wolves by understanding what the scriptures say. Beware of false prophets. So in Acts chapter 20, the elders of the church are encouraged in this way. It says, pay careful attention to yourself. In other words, spiritual leaders, it starts with you. Make sure you practice what you preach. Be an example to those that you shepherd. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So the Bible describes two different offices in leadership in the church, elder and deacon, elder and deacon. And in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, the apostle Paul lays out the character qualities of each of these two offices. And if you read them, they're both very similar, very similar. Both elders and deacons have the same character qualities. But then all of a sudden, as you're reading through this, this list, there is one thing that, uh, that separates the two. There's one thing that separates the elder from a deacon. And that isn't so much a character quality, but it is an ability. And so with the elders, it says, you must have the ability to teach. That is to handle accurately the word of God. You've heard me say many times, Jason's opinion doesn't count. What we wanna understand is, what is the author's original intent? When, when the authors wrote, inspired by the Spirit of God, they had something very specific in mind that they wanted to communicate to the Christian community. That's what we want to uncover, okay? And so, in uncovering this, there is a form of protection that is given to the flock. So, that's one of my primary responsibilities. Uh, now, here's where we begin to learn and identify what these false prophets or wolves look like. Because very often people think that wolves take on the appearance of sheep. 
that's, that's actually not what he's describing. Back in the day, shepherds would wear the wool of the sheep that they cared for. You follow what I'm saying? They would shear the sheep, they would take the wool, and then they would fashion clothes out of it, coats and whatnot, right? They would, shepherd would wear the wool of the sheep that they cared for. And so this doesn't describe a wolf that is masquerading as a sheep. This is actually describing a wolf that is masquerading as a shepherd. That's different. And that is a big problem. That's a big problem. Because shepherds are the ones of influence, spiritual influence. So Jesus says, beware. There will be spiritual leaders that actually infiltrate the church, we'll read in a moment. And they are not there to take care of you, but rather they are there to feed off of you. Now, since Jesus is the good shepherd, he says, I'm going to warn you. I'm gonna tell you what they look like. And then I'm gonna tell you what to do about them. So all throughout the Bible, uh, God's people are given this warning, uh, warning to avoid these kinds of spiritual leaders. Going back to the Old Testament, uh, the people were warned regarding false prophets. And the bar was very, very high. So if someone came to you and they said, I, I have a word from God, and they made a prophecy, they prophesied, and that prophecy didn't come true, the penalty to that person was very high. Death. They had zero tolerance for a false prophet. Why? Because false prophets, spiritual leaders, they lead people astray. They lead people away from God. They cause a tremendous amount of confusion and disunity. And sheep can get spooked very easily. That's why there's zero tolerance. If someone comes to you and says it comes from God to me to you, then we're gonna test it. If it turns out to be a false prophet, then that person dies. Zero tolerance. That's, that's how important this is. Now, the challenge in our time, it's been this way throughout human history, perhaps more so now than ever, is that there is actually... Uh, a market for false teachers, false prophets, and wolves. There's actually a market. Uh, there are some people that just, they don't want to hear the truth. And, and Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter four. He says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. What is sound teaching? Well, it's when we open up the scripture and we say, you know what, let's let the Bible speak for itself. Let's not add to it or take away from it because that's where the authority lies in the scripture. And so what we do is we place ourselves in a position of authority under the scriptures, not above it. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. In other words, I'm gonna listen to only those who tell me what I wanna hear. Imagine your child telling you that. But see, many adults have adopted that kind of childlike attitude. There's no personal growth in that for you, by the way. By the way, that, that's, that's the, 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 the crosswalk guard that's, that's holding the sign that says, which way do you wanna go? That way, the wide way, it looks good. Go, go, go. Not realizing that on the other side of that wide fence is a cliff that you're about to fall off of. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth 
And they wander off into myths. So literally they exchange the truth for myths. So now it should be noted that the inspiration behind these false teachers is actually satanic. Satan is, is sort of the original false prophet, right? He's the master of disguises. Second Corinthians chapter 11. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So in the garden, Satan disguised himself as an animal. Before God, Satan appears with the sons of God. Even if you read about the Antichrist, the Antichrist will have the appearance of one who performs miracles. Matthew 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So Satan is this chief crossing guard leading people through the wide gate. And Jesus says you're gonna know them by their fruit. Fruit trees are really predictable. An orange tree will ever produce oranges. A lemon tree will only ever produce lemons. Very, very predictable pattern. That's what Jesus is saying. There's a predictable pattern to what they produce. And some of that production comes in the form of what they teach, their false teaching. So what does it look like? Well, there are some that are more obvious. There, there are these blatant heretics that... Uh, they've attached and tethered none of their message to the Bible, or they'll use the Bible as a source of good moral teachings. Um, there are some who twist the scriptures for their own personal gain. Uh, an, an, an easy to use example might be those who, who, who say, well, here, here's the deal. Uh, God wants you to be happy and wealthy. Well, I wouldn't say God wants you to be happy. I think he wants you to be joyful. joyful joy and happiness are two different things, but they'll say God wants you to be happy and he wants you to be wealthy. <sighs> Jesus was homeless, and Paul wrote a bunch of letters from prison. Okay? It's amazing how some of this, this, um, this message that God wants you to be wealthy, it, it thrives only in countries that tend to be more prosperous. You know, sort of that health and wealth message, or maybe better known as prosperity gospel, that, that doesn't, uh, doesn't do too well in Burundi. But in nations of wealth, does quite well. Does quite well. Because what is it doing? It's exactly what the scriptures say. This is the message I want to hear. I want a God that wants to do what I want him to do. I want a God that, wants, that will give me what I want him to give me. So there's nothing new under the sun. And so Jesus is saying, be, be forewarned. And, uh, and these heretics will come to you in all forms of sheep-like, shepherd-like clothing. Uh, now, there are wolves who are a bit more crafty, okay? We should probably talk about this. And maybe you've encountered some of them. Um, these are the ones who use very familiar language. They use words like gospel and salvation. And, and they, talk about, um, they talk about the cross. And they may even use more orthodox terms. And, and here's the really crazy thing. Some of them may have very large churches and also write best-selling books. And, uh, and, and, and if they have a Southern accent, it's over for you. <laughs> it's totally over for you, you know. Um, 
but, but they, they're very pleasant, very pleasant, very nice, a, lot, a whole lot nicer than what I come across, okay? Very pleasant, very nice. Um, but you have to think about what they don't say as much as what they do say. You follow? So you don't often hear talk about sin or repentance or how you have totally offended the God who created you. And that's trouble for you. You don't hear them talk about the fact that you're broken. And you have this overwhelming tendency to be your own God. And what that means is, is that you're self-centered. And that at the end of the day, the person you care about the most is yourself. And, and again, this is what sent Jesus to the cross, you and me. We've all done things that have nailed Jesus to the cross. We're all, we're all guilty. It's the great unifier of all humanity. So, so they often don't talk in, in these terms. Um, they soft sell even contemporary moral issues, and they're afraid to confront the culture in love. Jesus was full of grace and truth. See, if you try to confront the culture with just truth, you're gonna be like a, you know, you're gonna be like a barking dog, a pit bull. But grace makes truth acceptable. But you have to bring truth because truth is what's transformative. Otherwise, people remain in the state that they're in and, and that doesn't lead them to a safe eternity. Um, so they, they have this form of godliness, but they're actually denying its power. And that's exactly how they're described in 2 Timothy chapter 3. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossip, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness. Whoa, did you catch that? I mean, look at that list. That is one gnarly list. And then it says, but they claim to be spiritual. They claim to be spiritual. Whoo, that's insidious. They have denied God's power. Avoid such men as these. So there's this short little letter in your New Testament, Jude one chapter long. And this is a great letter because Jude, there's this very pastoral, very, it's, just, it's the heart of a shepherd toward the people of God. And he says, I, I want to forewarn you of what's happening in your midst. Verse four, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. People are in your midst and they're, they've, they've, they're already designated from history past for condemnation. There's people in your midst, church. They're ungodly people. They pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So he's like, hey, church, there's some ungodly people that have wormed their way into your midst. And here's how you're gonna recognize them. They take the grace of God and turn it into sensuality. Well, at one point, Paul, he writes this theological treaty 
And he kind of develops this straw man argument, you know, and I love this because he's really thinking this through. He says, you know, God's grace is so abundant, it covers all of your sin. And every time you sin, God's grace covers it. And so then there are people who, there are people who, who will say, well, how, well, if I just sin more, then that just proves that God is that much more grace, gracious. So should I just sin more so that we can see more of God's grace? And Paul says, well, time out. You don't understand what it cost Jesus to bring you that grace. So don't cheapen it. Be thankful for it. That's actually the motivation for your obedience, what Jesus did for you, in spite of who you are. But, but they, they, they take the grace of God and actually turn it into sensuality. Go ahead, sin more. And then they deny the lordship of Jesus Christ. Verse eight, yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. So, now, so here it is. So now he's giving you some explicit definitions of what a wolf looks like. Number one, they don't bring the scriptures. Instead, what do they do? I had this dream, and in this dream, God is telling me to tell you this, time out. If you can't appeal to the authority of the scripture, but you have to appeal, appeal to your own authority through a dream, we might have a problem, Because right? that's very subjective. I've had people say to me, Jason, God is telling me to tell you that I should preach next week. And I'm like, that's not the voice of God. Okay. And see, here's the thing about the voice of God. Whenever God speaks, you better bust out the red pen because it is equally authoritative all the time. So if someone comes to me and says, hey, I have a word from the Lord, and here's what the scriptures say. This is what God is, how God is speaking to me through his word, and I wanna share this with you. Cool, man, all right, let's discuss it, that's great. So you see what he's saying? He says, Here, here's a, you wanna recognize a wolf in sheep's clothing? They don't tether their authority to the scriptures. I have, I, I have this dream and this vision that God gave me. Okay, beware, that's one sign. Secondly, look at this. He says, they defile the flesh. You ever watch these specials, you know, like on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, and they're always, it's like some, some special on like cult leaders. You ever watch those? Don't say you don't, you do, you do. <laughs> It's fascinating, right? It's fascinating. But you know there's a common, common thread to these guys. You know what it is? They really have a hard time keeping their pants on. You know what I'm saying? You ever notice that? It's like, wait a minute, did you start this for the girls? I mean, come on, you know, be real, you know? It's like they have this weird, weird thing where it's like their spirituality ultimately ends up in sensuality. Well, Jude says, there's nothing new. It defile the flesh. And look at, this is really interesting. Here's another way to, you, you, can, you can observe a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. They reject authority. Why would a leader, a spiritual leader, reject authority? Because they don't wanna be held accountable, that's why. Now, now these wolves are really, really destructive. Because you can be a solid Bible teacher and reject authority. You can be a great Bible teacher. You can be a gifted Bible teacher and reject authority. 
And that's a problem because it's only a matter of time before this authority problem will manifest itself because character always rises to the top. So important for you to know that here at Illuminate, we take very seriously the, the, the scripture's charge, submit one another, submit to one another. So in our leadership structure, and it's been this way from the beginning, I'm, I'm accountable. I submit to the elders. I submit to the elders. Man, if, and if I say something that's out of line, or if I do something that isn't congruent with the word of God, I'm gonna get a knock on my door in love, and there's gonna be some correction brought into my life. That's a really good thing, y'all. That's a really good thing. And the elders are actually, they're chosen from the congregation. So there's accountability there as well. Submit one to another. The key to submission is humility. It's Philippians chapter two. Jesus was our example. And in humility, it's that humility that allows you to bring the authority of the scriptures in a way that keeps the authority in the right place. It doesn't matter what Jason's opinion is. What we wanna know is the author's original intent as inspired by the Spirit of God. We don't add to it, and we don't take away from it. We wanna know what the scriptures say. So these people cause quite a bit of damage, these wolves that, that defy authority, because when the character then is eventually seen, people get really unwound. Because it's kind of like, well, now this is the guy that, you know, he, he helped me understand what the Bible says, but now he's the same guy that doesn't apply it. <laughs> so if it doesn't work for him, it's never gonna work for me. I'm out. Church hurt. Church trauma. That's where some of the biggest forms of church hurt and church trauma come from. Very gifted people. Big churches, lots of book sales, but no accountability. So I wanna, I wanna classify one other kind of wolf that I think it might be a, a bit unique to our time. And that is what I refer to it as the howling wolf. All right, so let me explain. This is, this is the one who emphasizes uh, most everything other than the gospel. Because what you learn is, it's not simply about what you believe, it's also about what you emphasize. You catch that? It's not just what you believe, it's what you emphasize from the pulpit, from the platform. So over the last couple of years, so many things have been emphasized that had never been emphasized before. You know, whether they're issues of social justice, uh, I mean, you, I mean you, you know, you can name it, environmentalism, um, diversity, equity, and listen, the Bible speaks to those things, and I have spoken to those things. But it's not just about what you believe, it's what you emphasize. And so if there is an overemphasis to the exclusion of the gospel, we have a problem. And uh, perhaps this is why Paul says, in case you miss it, this is the guy that gave us much of the New Testament. He says, I'm about to give you what is the most important thing. Of all the things that I've written, here it is. You wanna know what it is? Yeah, what is it? Recycle. <laughs> so I'm not saved because of my recycling habits. 
I'm not saved because of whatever politics I may or may not have. I'm not saved because of my heterosexuality. I'm saved because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the most important thing, Paul says, that Jesus died, was buried, and came back according to the scriptures. And then many people saw him. Some of them are still alive, go talk to them. They'll validate your ticket, okay? It's not just about what you believe, it's about what you emphasize as well. You must always lead and emphasize the gospel. Not to the exclusion of those other things that people say, well, those other things are necessary to advance the gospel, and I don't disagree with them. But what I'm talking about are those wolves that howl. You understand my point? They're howling, but they're never communicating or rarely communicating what is of first importance. And, and in fact, sometimes in so doing, they actually lose their gospel voices, all right? So what do you do if you encounter a wolf? Well, quickly, this is really interesting because Jesus uses a fascinating word. He says, beware. And this word literally means to suspend or withhold your mind. In other words, what he's saying is, don't give it a second stop. Don't give it one moment of headspace. Treat it like a false prophet or a wolf, false teacher. Treat it like a rattlesnake that's curled up and ready to strike. And you're not gonna get close to it. You're not gonna be like, all right, sure, I'll listen. What do you have to say? You're gonna get bit by that thing. Notice the language. They're ravenous, ravenous wolves. All right, so I have a fleshly temptation that I have to admit to you now. The temptation for me has been to like name names, but I'm not gonna do that. And the reason why is because Jude doesn't do that, and he could have. He says, hey, there's some people among you that are real told me, it's this guy, this guy, it's this person, and this person, okay? No, instead what he does, he says, I'm gonna teach you how to identify one. And that's where the emphasis needs to be. Now, some of you may be like, hey, I need a little help. Great, I'm here to help you. You can throw me a name and I'll tell you why or why not. I think they might be solid, what makes them safe or unsafe. So, all right, three quick questions. Basic test to get you started. Here's what you're gonna ask. Number one, what does this person say about Jesus? If they deny that Jesus is, is, the, is the Messiah, is the Christ, run away. If they deny that Jesus is the only way to God, that's a huge problem. People have all these sophisticated charts and end times timelines for how to identify the Antichrist. Here, here's how you're, you're gonna identify. Here's, here's, the, here's the distinguishing characteristic, okay? The Antichrist is the one who denies Jesus is the Messiah, right there, all right? So if someone comes to power, comes on the scene, and then there's this, in the, under the banner of, of, of unity, and they come out and they say, no, Jesus isn't who, the Son of God isn't, okay, that's, that's a big red flag, all right? What does this person say about the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15. Death, burial, and resurrection. If they shy away from bringing them biblical truth that tells them that they are sinners separated from God, run away. That's a wide gate. Jesus talks about it. That leads to destruction. Third question, what is the person's character? You'll know a tree by its fruit. Fruit, fruit. This is a spiritual context. Mm. Spiritual fruit. Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that we're looking for. The humility to place themselves under accountability. So don't fall into the trap 
of following a teacher that has a large following, a large church, book sales, massive social media accounts, okay? Be discerning, be discerning. Are they teaching the scriptures accurately? Do they follow them? And do they have godly, godly character? And thirdly, pray. So let's do it. Father, our sincere desire is to apply the authority of the scriptures because it leads us to discipleship. And at times we're gonna hear things that we don't like. It's an irritant to our ears and that's exactly what we need. Father, we're grateful for the example of Jesus being full of grace and truth and never, never shying away from people's need to be reconciled to the God that loves them and the God that created them. Father, I pray a special measure of protection over all churches that claim the name of Jesus Christ. May we be discerning because the stakes are high. We don't want disunity, confusion. We want people to be led by your grace to your truth. We ask it in the name of the one that makes it all possible. His name is Jesus Christ and God's people said, amen.